Hey everybody, you're listening to Canary Cry Radio, and my name is Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 138, where it's never too late to bake some tasty biblical cake with the great Mike Heiser. Our Gandalf, Basil. <laughs> that was a good one, Gons. That was really good. Hey, hey, you, you got know, me. You know, you got me. I just want to just change it up, you know? Curveball. Yeah, you, you really did change it up, and I'm glad you did, because I didn't have anything for this I know, you never do. That's kind of why I, I, I've been trying to prepare myself a little bit, you know? Well, the rhymes with the numbers, it wasn't ever a thing we tried to do. It's like a thing I did once, yeah. and then just kept doing it for like 40 episodes. Yeah. Uh, so, good. I'm glad you're taking it, and uh, Just I'm, less stress for you, you know what I mean? Just I appreciate that. Alleviating all the pressure. I don't have to spend all my time before the show writing a, this is something that rhymes with 138. But anyways, we're glad you guys are here. We hope you enjoyed Gonza's uh, cool rap at the beginning. <laughs> um, this is an awesome episode. I'm yeah. so glad that we are ending... 2018 with this episode and you guys are going to be glad too we have back on the show a friend of the show friend of ours friend of yours uh dr michael heiser and uh this might have i don't know in a lot of ways this is might be one of my favorite shows with heiser yeah, you know, it's just up to speed. I think he addresses not just the the biblical topic of angels, which with you know is what the uh, his latest book is about, uh, but really addressing and he mentions it over and over again in the episode the identity of the believer and what that means and uh, you know what we're supposed to do with that. And I think it really does speak to anybody, but especially the cultural climate of today. So I think it was a great conversation. I, I loved the the topics we got into. I wish it yep. could have gone longer, but, you know, Heiser's a, a very high, he's in high demand right now. It's true. I mean, this took us like three months to schedule with him, <laughs> yeah. which is unusual because we are obviously his top priority. <laughs> um, and this is a, a, another, another reason why it's so great is this is going to be a great episode to share with family and friends. So go ahead. If you have family and friends, this is a nice, easy onboard to uh, Canary Cry Radio, and if you are that family or friend of some the the weirdo in your family who shared this podcast with you, we hope you enjoy this. It's uh, it's gonna do good. It's gonna do good for you. <laughs> I'm not gonna guarantee that all episodes go down this easy, but this <laughs> no, one will they be definitely great. Definitely don't. Um, so okay, couple of housekeeping things before we get into the episode, guns. We'll try to make this quick, everybody, because we want to get to the good stuff. First of all. We got our Facebook community uh, growing every single day and shrink, not shrinking, but, uh, you know, I, I had to, I had to put the iron fist in the velvet glove. Oh no, you had to, you had to start practicing your authority and power over this community. It's, this is uh, turning into the Basil world order. Not something I usually do or even like doing, but now I, I like I said, I uh, I slipped a little velvet glove on Flippy, the robot arm, and oh. uh, he went to town. Um, I instituted a new law of the land in the Facebook group where hmm. if somebody seems like they're trolling or you question somebody's motives in the Facebook group, everybody just starts asking them Canary Cry Radio trivia. Ooh. And when they can't answer the questions or they di- try to divert from the questions, boom, banned. 
Wow, There's that's big. that's a very uh, what, what if the bar is set too high and and you it's know it's cleaned up. It's cleaned up pretty well. Well, it's only instituted on you know known trolls or uh. people who incite things that we don't want to incite. So it's a much friendlier place than it was a little while ago. And there, to be fair, there have been some people who are in the group who surprisingly, I don't know how this happens. They get into the group and they don't listen to the show because a Canarian like invites them and, but you know, they're not causing trouble. They're there. They're having great discussions and fellowshipping with uh, the rest of the group. And it's wonderful. And Very so cool. they're, al- they're allowed to stay yeah. anyways, head over to facebook.com uh, slash canary cry community join up in the group it's a really fun place to meet other canarians and and chat about the things that you can't chat about in uh, open groups or on your own wall so <laughs> go do that yeah facebook is uh is kind of in my world in my own head it's it's my myspace you know it kind of died a while ago that's what the kids say too yeah well maybe yeah there you go i am just no a- no kids are on facebook anymore they're all doing the instagrams and the snapchats yeah. um just a real quick reminder everybody we have our other show that comes out every single week so if you want more of uh us if you want more of the topics we talk about you can check out canary cry news talk it's uh, always baffling to me that people are not listening to that show and yet they want more episodes of this show it's a great mini version of this show and we hit uh, news topics that are happening during the week but don't worry we we tie them in it's all in the spirit of canary cry investigation and how everything fits together putting together the grand puzzle make sure to subscribe to canary cry news talk on your podcatcher yeah you know people often message us and say like hey did you see this or did you talk about this and a lot of times we talk about it on news talk um it's just yeah, a place most where we times they send us a video or a news story asking us to comment on it and we're like we recorded a 30 minute episode on this news story how are you not listening to this show <laughs> yeah for example last week bible biohacker and vr targets christians i mean that's pretty interesting for yeah, guys guys a guy wrote out the bible and the quran in DNA sequencing and injected it into his leg. If you if you don't want to hear me and Gons discuss that, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing with your life. Uh, but anyways, make sure to subscribe to that Canary Cry News Talk. Uh, also, I want to mention, hey, we're almost up to a hundred subscribers on Twitch. I've wow, unofficially really? yeah. Ooh. Yeah, we're at like 91 or 92. I've unofficially set uh, the follower count to 100. That's when we will be doing our first stream guns. So get ready. Ooh, it's going to be a good time. Happen. A lot of people, maybe you like watching video games. Maybe you have a child or a young adult <laughs> child. <laughs> a young older likes, adult. Yeah, who likes watching <laughs> video games and you don't understand it and you don't know why. Gons and I are going to be taking the opportunity to play some video games as well as sort of uh, do an expose on the symbolism and the storylines and the occult references and everything uh, that is going on in the video game world, as well as uh, topics like transhumanism and uh, the influence that that's having on the future 
of the human race. And it's all coming through video games, people. So if you want to know what's going on there, even if you don't like watching the games, Gons and I will be there discussing. It'll be like another podcast. You could just listen to it. Yeah, the predictive programming in video games is quite spectacular. And, you know, I've been kind of checking out some Twitch channels and, and nothing against the folks that have lots of you know, thousands of people watching people play video games. But a lot of times, commentary not so deep. Not so deep. That's what we're there for. We're there for the commentary. We're going to change the game. So go to twitch.tv slash canarycryradio or switch.com slash, not switch, twitch, twitch.com slash canarycryradio and throw us a follow. I know you got to make a, you got to make an account, but you know what? That's okay. It's okay. You can do it easy with your Facebook or just do it real quick. I understand it's not, you don't want to make so many accounts for things, but Join up, follow us. You can get all the good uh, breakdowns of video games as well as uh, watch me suffer on games. Watch me, t- watch me totally dunk on guns. As well as <laughs> it'll tell the no. Twitch algorithms to uh, tell you know the kids, the kiddos to watch the show and that's what they want to do okay enough about that moving on we also have our patreon now here's another thing we also have paypal if you go to canarycryradio.com slash support you can sign up on paypal it's been a lot of bad press about patreon we've actually lost a lot of supporters because of uh, all the nonsense going on with patreon and you know what we support your protest against patreon however it also we also lose a lot of support so i'm not super happy about that um but you know hey if you dropped your patreon subscription why don't you head over to uh paypal canarycryradio.com slash support and you can sign up for a paypal subscription there that'll really help us out this show is entirely listener supported we don't believe in selling your attention for money, for our own money, as well as benefiting corporations. Uh, It's just something philosophically we don't believe in on this show. Maybe some other show will give it a try because apparently it works well for people. (laughs) But uh, as for this show, it only continues because listeners just like you. That's right. You there listening in your earbuds, in your car, cleaning your apartment, uh, working. You shouldn't have that headphone in. I see you. You have that one headphone in. That's okay. Keep it in. I won't tell. But uh, <laughs> if you enjoy the show, we rely on your guys' support. So please go to patreon.com slash canarycryradio or canarycryradio.com slash support. Awesome. Okay. I think that's it, Gons. Sounds good. Let's get into some Gandalfing. Here we go, off to the land of Michael Heiser and his angels. <laughs> and there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid, and unleavened cakes of an ephah flour. The flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and brought it out unto him under the oak, and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, 
and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him of the evil, and said to the angel that destroyed the people, It is enough. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Adonah the Jebusite. The angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him, and said unto him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about, and will be the glory in the midst of her. This is Canary Cry Radio. Unless you're an ardent atheist or material reductionist, it's likely that you believe in some kind of spirit world or unseen reality. Although the idea of unseen non-corporal intelligent entities who interact with the affairs of men is something that a lot of people culturally believe, the followers of Jesus often don't realize that the Bible addresses these unseen spirits and their duties quite prevalently. Here on Canary Cry Radio, we've spent a lot of time on the agenda of the enemy and their true culprits, the principalities, powers, authorities, and spiritual forces of evil. These entities are rebels against the plan of God. but. To better understand who they are, we must grasp the spiritual infrastructure of the heavens, their members, their duties as related in the Bible. While this might seem like a challenging task, it is, luckily, the Lord allowed us to be in the presence of the return of our Gandalf, Dr. Mike Heiser. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Yeah, you're right. This is where the uh, Christian Middle Earth meme, I guess, was born. Yep. It's true. You're here. You're you're back with your you're back. Your Gimli and your. It's the only interview. I mean, I've done dozens of interviews in the last couple of weeks, it's, and it's the only interview where I've heard the phrase "materialist reductionist." So, <laughs> well, you're welcome. No, that, that just takes it up a notch, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's better than fluff, you know. Yeah, Gans brings the heat, man. Yeah, the the Google really helps. Well, Mike, we're super happy to have you here, and we know that your time is limited with us. As you said, you've done a lot of interviews, and you know, I gotta say, Michael, we've uh, you really kept us waiting on this one. We, yeah, we've been lots waiting, of things very, getting in the way. Yeah, very patiently, and you know, Gons and I were not used to not getting our way. So you <laughs> taught us a very good lesson, and so I appreciate a lesson that. in chaos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I guess we can jump right into the book here. And I want to start out uh, with you telling me about it. But what I love in the beginning of your introduction, you say, to clarify, 
This is not a book about demons. That's correct. The good guys need some stage time. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's one. That's one thing. In in at least my experience with a lot of Christian uh, traditions, there's God and He's good, and we talk about God and angels, and that includes the Trinity. But every other thing, <laughs> all the other things, when we talk about spiritual entities, they're all bad guys. Yeah. So, well, so <laughs> what's going for, on there? For those for those who really want that, though, there were. I'm already done with the companion volume. I've been done with that since April. Who knows what they're going to do with it? Yeah. But uh, is it yeah, called the, demons? The, yeah, the de- demons. Well, let, let, let's go back to this title. The, the, the subtitles are del- deliberate. So this one is Angels subtitle, What the Bible Really Says About God's Heavenly Host. And I worded it that way because not all members of the Heavenly Host can rightly be called angels. And that, that's, again, okay. out of the gate, we, we make that assumption. So the demons book is demons, you know, subtitle, what the Bible really says about the powers of darkness, because not all the powers of darkness are demons. Mm. Again, we have these, these simplistic assumptions <clears throat> because a lot of what we think we know about the members of the heavenly host and, you know, demons as well is really filtered to us through tradition or pop culture. So the, the genesis of this book was a thought that popped into my head, hey, wouldn't it be nice if there was a book out there that, you know, what it said and what, what it helped us to say about angels actually could be traced to, to somewhere in the biblical text? Wouldn't that be nice? So there you go. You know, it would yeah. be nice. <laughs> it really would be you, nice. You made a point you made a point in the introduction that I thought was was just really set the stage, which is basically that, you know, as believers we'll be in the presence of the Lord and, and doing his work and that kind of thing long after the rebels are judged. And that That's concept correct. really frames, I think, our, our sort of eternal outlook, not just the temporal and the, uh, the things immediate in front of us. Yeah. People ask me all the time, you know, well, why, why bother? And, you know, let, let's be honest here. Most people don't really spend any time thinking about angels because, well, the Bible doesn't really say much about that. And I got that down. I know they've got wings. You know, I know a third of them rebelled, both of which are myths. You know, so, you know, that that's it. We're done now. Let's move on to a more important, you know, topic, you know, or, or let's talk about how everything in the Bible is about Jesus and that excuses us from studying anything. Mm. You know, that, that that's just kind of where most people are at. But when I'm asked, you know, why bother? Uh, as I said in Unseen Realm, the earlier book, <clears throat> the more you know about, you know, the, the supernatural world, you'll be able to see not only, you'll not only be able to trace threads that involve the supernatural world through scripture, but you'll begin to see that world as a template for how God thinks about us, our own identity and our own mission and our own destiny. So that covers a lot of ground just in a couple sentences. And then Unseen Realm sort of unpacks that from Genesis to Revelation. And this book is more or less of a drill down, um, you know, drill down in a one specific topic that is touched on an unseen realm but that's why it's important you know that it's not a coincidence it's not an accident uh, it's not an oversight that the way angels and other members of the heavenly hosts are talked about that same vocabulary and the same task the same duties the same status uh, even a higher status is talk in the new testament about human believers so that, mm. Again, that's not accidental. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. You know, I'm I'm kind of curious. You mentioned that the 
a couple factoids about angels that a lot of people take as, well, gospel are maybe misunderstood or mis- misrepresented or kind of just pulled from tradition or culture. I mean, what are some of those uh, mistakes that we're making about understanding angels in particular? Yeah, and none of these things are sinister. I know that'll disappoint your audience, but you know, it's true. <laughs> it's it's oh, not come sinister. On. It's just sort of the way things are, you know? Yeah. Um, this Okay, let, let's get into the wings thing, because this is why I, I started the book with, I mean, I cover Old Testament, I cover the intertestamental period, cover the New Testament. And intertestamental is important because, hey, those people are treating the, the Old Testament as sacred scripture. They're looking at its data. They're trying to connect dots. They're thinking about it. And some of the conclusions they draw will wind their way into the New Testament because, you know, surprise, the New Testament writers are part of the Jewish world. <laughs> you know, so we cover all that ground, but but we start with terminology in the Old Testament. And this is where we get the 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 wings myth develop. Okay. Let's think of it this way. <clears throat> you know the verse in Hebrews 13:1 that we should be careful to entertain strangers, mm-hmm. extend hospitality to strangers, lest we entertain angels unawares. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, if they had wings sticking out of their back, <laughs> how would you miss that? They're hiding them under their big coats. Right, right, under their big coat. Yeah. Assuming yeah. that they're a bird person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just like all the other people. You know? <laughs> I mean, it, when you think about it in those terms, that's just kind of absurd. It, and and we're... we're what, the writer there in Hebrews 13.1 is drawing on us, of course, Old Testament instances of where angels show up, and they're, they're not distinguishable from people, like the two mm. men at Sodom. You know, I mean, it's only when they do something spectacular, like strike the city blind, you know, Lot gets a clue. Well, I guess they're not like me, you know, because I can't do that. You know, and, you know Samson, you know, his parents, and they, they do something out of the ordinary, and then that reveals that we have more than a, a man here that, mm-hmm. you know, in this conversation. <clears throat> so that's what the writer of Hebrews is presuming. None of those passages have angels with wings. There isn't a single passage in the Bible that has angels with wings. So where do we get the idea? Well, we get it from our, a terminology confusion. So in chapter 1, I, I take the Old Testament terminology and say, look, let's do a little semantic thought here. If we think about ourselves, I could refer to myself as human. Man, adult, father, son, postal service guy, you know, <laughs> scholar, you know, writer. I mean, there, there's any number of nouns, you know, I threw the postal service guy in there just for fun. And there's any number of nouns <laughs> that I could use to describe myself. And they're all accurate, but they don't all overlap and they don't belong in the same categories. Mm, some yeah. are terms of, stat, of status, some are terms of, of, of task. Some are terms of nature, like human, man, okay? You know, so if we look in the Old Testament, in the first chapter of the book, I, I have three buckets, okay? They're terms used to the heavenly host that describe their nature. These are terms like holy ones, spirits, okay? Tells you what a thing is. Tells you what a member of the heavenly host is. And then there are terms that describe status in hierarchy. Sons of God is one of these. Uh, because that term is drawn from the ancient Near Eastern royal court. God is king, kings have courts, they have staff and officers, so on and so forth. And sons of God refers to the 
you know, the, the close relatives, either sons or, you know, some other close relation of the king, and they get the best jobs or the most important jobs. Then you have the third bucket, which is, are terms of role or function. And this is actually where angel, malach in Hebrew, angelos in Greek, this is actually where that term belongs because it describes a task. The word angel doesn't tell you what a thing is, doesn't tell you what a member of the heavenly host is. It tells you what one does. It's a task. It's a job description. And other job descriptions are cherub, karuv in Hebrew, hmm. saraf, okay? Those are job descriptions. They're both, they're, one is drawn from Babylonian, the other one's drawn from Egyptian. They are throne guardians. They, you know, in, in the human world, the throne guardians obviously protect the king. In the supernatural world, they protect sacred space. This is why when you have humans brought into that world, they must be purified so they don't pollute the environment. Okay, so th what we have, though, is we take angel and cherub and seraph and smash them all together. Well, cherubim and seraphim have wings, and they're angels too, right? No, they're not. None of these terms tell you what a thing is. It tells you what a thing does. These are tasks. These are job descriptions. And that is, that's the genesis of, of the myth where we have angels having wings, but a cherub and a seraph, they're never called angels and vice versa. Angels are never called cherubs and seraphs, but we just smash them together in our tradition and we come out with ideas like angels having wings. Now, some of your listeners might say, well, what about like Revelation 10.1 where angels descend from heaven? <laughs> See, they have, they have wings, they have wings. <laughs> I bet they're feathers in there somewhere in the Greek. You know, no, the, the word for descend there is the exact same word in First Thessalonians 4, for when the Lord returns. And trust me, Jesus didn't grow wings, okay, <laughs> in the meantime, all right? It just refers to, it's verbiage to, to let us know that this being is from heaven, you know, from God's realm. And heaven was perceived as being up there, you know, the skies, okay? It doesn't mean they have wings. They don't have beaks and claws either, you know? It, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just not in the picture. Although so, that would make some old Christian artwork very interesting. Right. Now, I'm not saying like we should throw out our old artwork or, or you know, just you know, <laughs> if you got it nice, all, you know, it just is what it is. Yeah. It's, it's understandable how you get to that path. You know, when you get to the, the third of the angels, which I don't, again, this book's about the good guys, not the bad guys. So, you know, I don't spend any time on this, on this book. But if you look up, if you got your Strong's Concordance handy, let's use it. Uh, the word third and angel appears in only one passage in the Bible, and it's the last book of the Bible. It's Revelation 12. And the war in heaven breaks out in response to or in the wake of the birth of the Messiah. It has nothing to do with some primeval pre-Genesis, pre-Adam, pre-fall rebellion. That mm. is a myth. Just look it up. Yeah. It's a myth. You know, we, we get this stuff from, from like Paradise Lost or the Puritan writers or some other point of tradition. And again, it, it's, it's not like it's evil and sinister, like we're going to lose the faith unless we get this straightened out. That, again, that, that's, that's silly. But what it goes to is, is it, it ought, these examples ought to inform us that maybe we ought to read the Bible more closely. Maybe <laughs> we ought to ask like good questions. Yeah. Or in some cases, at all. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, I was on an interview the, yesterday and, and, you know, going through some of this and, and a few other things and the guy's like, 
well, I just feel completely inadequate, you know, to read the Bible. It's like, no, you don't. A high schooler can do this. Okay, you know, in high school, when you take British lit or American lit, you know what you're taught to do? You're taught to read something carefully and closely and then ask good questions about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to dress it up, if, it, if high school sounds too demeaning, call it literary analysis, all right? Because that's all it is. We're reading a text closely and asking probative, critical questions. It's okay to do that to the Bible. It, you know, you're not going to hurt it. It'll be here the next day, you know, after you're done. Right. But, but that's, how, that's how you develop just patterns and skills you know, to, to get more out of, you know, Bible study should be iterative. It should be probative. It should be critical. It should, your brain should be engaged. Yeah. But we've trained a generation to think that Bible reading, just like, you know, I'm going to read my chapter for the day. That's Bible study. No, it's mm. not. You need to transition to thought, okay, to, to thinking while you're doing this. So it's not beyond you. It's just a, a skill you have to repetitively you know, practice. So it just becomes a habit. What do you think the big picture looks like? Um, the ramifications of, I'll start with, you know, misunderstanding angels and assuming that the myths about them are just the way it is. And by extension, you know, what you're talking about with the, the ability to read the Bible and ask questions and and stuff like that. How is that kind of playing out around us? I, I would, you know, I would never say, you know, that you're, you know, uh, unless you really grasp the content of Mike's books, you're probably not saved. You, know, <laughs> you misunderstood the gospel. It's just absurd. Okay. Yeah. So you know, let, let's get beyond that point. You know, Mike isn't saying that you thought the gospel was A and Mike says it's B. Okay. We're you, not doing that. You dodged my gotcha question, Mike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one of I'm these sure days, you, I'm you taking had that you one down. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he struck back. Uh, somebody on YouTube's already done that. I'm a Jesuit and a disinformation agent. And oh, uh, hey, yeah. Welcome to the the Jesuit accusation club. That's, uh, that's, well, that's awesome. I have a friend now. That's I, well, why I'm, you're I'm on trying, this show. I'm that's trying to get into the Illuminati, and I just can't. You yeah, know, I, don't I know. I There's a lot more requirements to to do that. It, it appears. I even, even at the at the American Academy of Religion meeting, you know, in November, oh, yeah. that's where I met Chris. I had my picture taken in front of the Council for Foreign Relations <laughs> booth, and that didn't even help. You know, it's like, what do I have to do? I think it was your jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I should. Yeah. I should have something <laughs> like worn symbols on it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You needed something a lot more provocative. You know. I'm just not thinking ahead. So. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Cover one eye. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. The ramifications, you know, are that we, you know, on, on some simplest and maybe simplistic terms, it's like. Okay, you have this thing either on your your desktop screen or your lap that you call the Bible that you say is the Word of God. It's this thing you claim to believe is inspired. It might be a good idea to actually understand it. Yeah. Okay. So you know, pe- people don't like that. It feels like a little bit of a swipe, and it, and it kind of is because, you know, some people when they ask me questions, I get the impression that I have to justify for them why they should be interested in the Word of God. <laughs> Okay, if that's where you're at, dude, <laughs> you know, I, you have my pity, you know, it yeah. just, you may not get my help, but you have my pity, you know, but, you know, being a little more, you know, gentle with it, I think we, we would get a lot more out 
of, of scripture and and not just in a in a heady academic sense what i'm talking about is going back to the you know why the question i get why does this matter and that mm. is understanding our identity and our mission is really important because our culture basically and our churches those are the two things they lack the most they have no sense of identity you know what it means to be you know a christian a child of god yeah. one of the sons of god they have no sense for that yeah. and and because they have no sense of that they, they don't have any sense of the great commission either right you know the, what our task is. You know, people like to talk about spiritual warfare, and they like to talk about you know spiritual stuff. But it—that's all it is. It's just talk, and it's fluffy, and it's ethereal, and it—and it—it never sort of has a boots on the ground feel to it. Mm -hmm. Well, what what's my role in in this thing? That and, and if it, if you can't define the thing, you know what the task is. You're never going to figure out what your role is. So th there are sort of fundamental things that. I think a good grasp of of you know the unseen world, the world of the heavenly host, how God looks at them, why He made them, He looks at them as His children and His partners, okay, and and He has He has ambitions for them. He wanted you know heaven came to earth in Eden. He wanted that family blended with this new fangled thing called humans, this embodied family, and and we want them all you know to to live together and function together to enjoy each other's company, and and maintain and service and steward this wonderful place called Earth. Well, it's a lot more complicated now because all of that just explodes, and you know. We know about the fall and all, and the two other supernatural rebellions that often get missed. Because mm -hmm. again, Christians are fixated on Genesis three, and they forget about the two other rebellions. Yeah. So he healing that takes strategy. It takes specific tasks and roles. You know, it, again, if if God is trying to restore a family, that affects the way we look at other people. Mm -hmm. Okay, they are imagers just like we are. Their their rightful place should be in the family of God. It is unnatural to be separated from God. Mm. We were we were made fit for sacred space. So that might affect the way we treat each other in church, in family, in business, you know, in terms of, you know, our, you know, race stuff, you know, just any number of things. Your task is to get people back into the family. Yeah. And 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 that's evangelism, yes, but but typically, again, when I was growing up, the way evangelism is presented to you, you first have to tell people how awful they are, you know, and and, and focus on their sin. And and again, Jesus never excused sin, but but it might be helpful to actually talk about membership and family and community because this generation that really resonates for good reason. Yeah, you know, it really resonates, and so maybe we could talk, we could begin the discussion there. Before we we talk about, you know, what you're doing might be you know offensive, you know, to God, and it might be self-destructive, you know. But 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 God is more interested in your soul than you know your behavior because it isn't your behavior that that gets you back into the family. It's your decision, you know, to embrace Christ and follow Him, and you'll get the Holy Spirit who will help you, you know, deal with things in your life that need to be dealt with, and you know. But but God does God loves you while you're yet a sinner. Yeah. Okay. Your your behavior isn't going to make God recoil. You know, like oh boy, I didn't realize. You know, man, I don't want that guy in here. No, he already knows that stuff. You know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And 
you know, again, that's what he's into. He wants you back into the family. So maybe this would change how we present the gospel. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe it changes how we think of ourselves as a community. We should not be trusting the state to meet yes. our needs. We should not be trusting <laughs> the institutional church to meet our needs. Yes. Okay. The, the answer to every to all of our problems is not these institutions. It's Christians. Yeah. It's individuals. Yeah, I, I was gonna get try to get to that point, but I that's what I see the most in in helpful context or or at least framing the discussion of everything that's happening in the world. I think the, the biggest thing the whole divine council, you know, concept has done uh, for me anyway, uh, is to, again, be able to address some of the things going on institutionally and in the church and evangelical and all this stuff and know that it's like, it's, it's all, it, you're not going to fix it through that. Like you're not going to, just because you fix, right. uh, you know, replace a person okay. on a, you know, whatever, any board or Members any <laughs> of a family. I mean, we are a family. Yes. That's the way we should be thinking about yes. ourselves because that's what, that was God's original intention it's his intention for the supernatural world, for our world, and we're supposed to be, again, blended together ultimately. That's our destiny. But but in the meantime, we are a family, and families don't hand off responsibility to, you know, focus groups within a family. You know, your brothers, and, you know, you, you think about your own family. You're, you have a responsibility to do X, Y, Z. Well, I'll, you know, the, the committee over there is taking care of that. Yeah, you know, I, you know, that's what that's what they're for. That, that's why we formed that study group or, or that that institutional entity. Right. Okay. We we need to stop thinking of ourselves in this way and accept the responsibility to treat each other as family, and then to think of ourselves also as God's partners. God has things He wants done, and and that's you know, well, how does that? Work? It's just it's living intentionally. It's actually believing that you're part of not only a family, but you're part of a, a, a greater, you know, a, let's call it a movement or a community or, or a task force, whatever metaphor helps, you know, it's the kingdom of God. Okay. And, and just like Paul says, not everybody is an arm, not everybody's a leg, you know, it, everybody has their, has a role. You know, if, if you have football fans out there, I call this the Bill Belichick approach to biblical theology, just do your job. You know, find out what your job is and just do it mm-hmm. and enjoy it. I mean, God has gifted you to do specific things. It's only when we when we start trying to function within an institution that we start looking at at people as our superiors. Oh, I wish I had that. I wish I could boss those people around. I wish I had higher status. Okay, that that just that's a spoiling, ruinous thing. And again, I'm not saying that we should go out and burn churches and stuff like that. I'm just saying that churches need to stop <laughs> thinking institutionally. It would be really weird if that's what you were saying. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> well, but see, maybe I could get in the Illuminati if I said that. Uh, yeah, you said that. That's, put that on the resume. That would be a big turn for this show. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we need to, you know, what we, we, we have cultivated in, in church, we have cultivated this, this you know, it's the professionals who do the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. It's the people we pay. It's the people that have staff positions. It's the people that have titles in the bulletin. Okay, those are the ones who do the work of the ministry. I'm sorry, but that is anti-New Testament thinking. And it's the podcasters that rule them all. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, again, we, we just have to do something to blunt you know, this, this kind of thinking, you know, God will, if you're looking for, 
you know, ministry, God will make these things apparent. Yes, you'll make mistakes. Yes, you'll ha- you might have to conclude, well, we can always never do that again. You know, you're, you're, you're going to do that, that you're, you're just going to go through that. But, but there are things that need to be done instead of looking for your authority figures, your professionals to do them. Just literally get off your butts and do them. This is why, you know, I, I say a lot on my own, you know, podcast and when I'm out speaking, I love finding believivers who are just doing stuff without permission. Ooh, that's so rebellious. That's a real I'll, Gandalf line. I'll own that. Okay. I, because, that's a meme. you know, and, and you might even, you know, you, okay, maybe you're not doing it well or you're stumbling through it or you're still figuring out. Good. Okay. You're at least doing something. You're not waiting for somebody else to do it. God has already tasked you. You are his partner. Start thinking of yourself in these terms. You know, it, it's, it's your family. You're trying to build your family. You're trying to rescue people who belong in your family. Yeah. You're trying to help them. This is what you do in a normal family. If you had a family member who was like a drug addict, you'd have an intervention. If you had a, a family member who needed money to pay their rent, you would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is just, it's not rocket science. Now, well, we've institutionalized it. Now, on the on the subject of family members who may be doing things you disagree with, <laughs> uh, someone out there might have a family member who, you know, f- certain things when certain myths of Christian tradition are busted in one way or another. For instance, you know, the traditional image of Jesus. Um, maybe not necessarily being what Jesus actually looked like. I know, I don't want to shock anybody. And again, going back to angels, and uh, they probably don't all have wings and things like that. Uh, I, Myself and some other people out there may have found that uh, members of their family, whether it be by blood or by ch- ch- church blood or whatever you want to call it, um, are really attached to those types of things. Is there any harm in thinking that angels have wings and that they all came, uh, you know, fell before the fall and that Jesus is a white, blue-eyed, bearded man? No, I, I don't, I don't know. Well, the last one might be a little icky. You know, <laughs> because, Depending you know, on context. You, you got your Nordic, you know, yeah, white supremacist, you know, chap. Okay, that, but, it, but see, why would that one be different? Yeah, because that gives you an excuse, or or you know, quote unquote, permission to treat fellow imagers poorly. Mm. Okay, mm. that that treads on on things that are foundational to God's interest. He, he he began with a desire to have a human family. All humans are his imagers, his children. You know, they have the same status. Okay, that's going to affect ultimately what you're supposed to be doing in the great commission. So yeah, that one's harmful. You know, the other ones, I don't, I don't see harm, you know, done to them. You know, there, there are, there are mistakes, you know, there are, you know, these little, you know, missteps that, that, that really aren't going to affect the core of our identity and the identity that, that we should recognize that all others have. And, you know, and and again, that the identity is important because it, 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 it should, you know, have something go off in your brain that, yeah, you know, we're all you know, images of God, and God wanted us all in His family. So that person's lost, and I need to, I need to help them come back in the family. Every person should be viewed in that way. 
So something that impedes that actually impedes on the gospel. So that one to me is 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 by default more serious. And this is how I try to judge things. Again, I you know this is this is me. I, I think it, I have biblical roots here to do this, but. Um, you know, we've had conversations in the past, both on the show and just, you know, when, we're, when we've met together, you know, I, I am loath to, to shoot at, you know, other believers for, for, you know, goofy things or misguided things they believe, because I, I'm, I always ask my, myself the question, is, is the gospel lost here? Is it altered? Mm-hmm. Is it changed? Is it manipulated? Is it abused? And if it's not, it's like, okay, you know, you, I, I could be looking at you like, Dude, you don't have a prayer being right, but you're not messing with the thing that God cares about the most, and that is the, the gospel. When you start to believe things that impede that you know task, that mission, and it, you know in the case of the of the white you know blue eyed you know, thing, the way you put that, I would I would put that in there because that's going to impede the way you look at others, you know people that need to be rescued because mm-hmm. they're they they should be your brothers and sisters. Yeah, I like that. You're you're getting good at uh, f- focusing on on the millennial uh, the millennial focus. You know, the, uh, process a very pragmatic approach to loving others and and stuff like that. Because you know, so often, and not to say that this isn't a completely bad way to look at things, but uh, a lot of times, and I notice this from an older generation, um, very heavy on the. You know, I'm doing this painful thing to you because I love you. It me loving you means that it's it's gonna hurt. And not again, not to say that that's necessarily a, always a bad thing, but um, I think what you're saying with your pr- pragmatic approach to loving, yeah, people should people deserve to not be lied to. Mm, yeah. Okay, and th- and that includes their sin. If, if they're doing something that that we all know is, you know, I mean, there are reasons why, you know, God doesn't want us to do certain things. And and 99 out of 100 times, it's typically going to be, we either harm ourselves or somebody, you know, close to us. Okay, you know, adultery. Right, that, that, that's destructive. And, and it's not hard to see why. You know, there are just things like this. I mean, God has reasons. It's not you know, God sat up there in heaven one day and thought, "Now let me make a list of the things that'll just make their lives awful." You know, <laughs> if, no, I don't, it, <laughs> if I don't think of some really good rules, nobody will take me seriously. Right? You know, <laughs> and it's like, no, the, these these things destroy families, they destroy individuals, they destroy us from the inside out. You know, it. it there are good reasons for this. You know, so yes, we we do need to address things. I mean, there there might be a point of wisdom as to when to do that. And also, again, I think a real point of wisdom is to not conflate fixing your self-destructive ha- behavior with the gospel. Again, the mm-hmm. gospel is not about works. And I, you know, people who struggle with this, I say, look, that which cannot be obtained by moral perfection, okay, you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to work your way, you know, into or past the grace of God. Okay, that's why grace is grace. Mm-hmm. God loved you while you were a sinner. Not, not he. He didn't love you when you when you cleaned up your act. It's not what Romans five eight says. So that which cannot be obtained by moral perfection cannot be lost by moral imperfection. Mm. That's an that's an axiomatic thing that that is really useful, you know, to remember. So yes, we need to address the, these destructive or you know wicked you know things in your life. 
But the first thing that needs to be addressed is your relationship with, with God and his family. He wants you back. You know, I mean, he, that's another way of saying he loves you. So there's a difference between I'm going to shoot at you until you just raise the white flag and say, yes, I'm wicked. Oh, good. Now we can have a conversation. Now, I, it, it might be wiser to start the conversation with the fact that, that God is interested in you despite anything that you do or think and that you hope others don't find out about because God already knows. But he's still interested in you. He still wants you. You know, I, I think that's just a, a more, it's not only a more, you know, fruitful way, I think, of engaging people. I, think, I actually think it's a more biblical way, you know, of engaging it, yeah. uh, in, engaging people. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think it puts a lot of, you mentioned earlier, the two other events. Uh, people focus on Genesis 3.15, but you were mentioning the two others being Genesis 6. And uh, I think more and importantly- the whole Babel incident. And Babel, yeah. right. Tower of Babel being the third incident. And I think that's the one that I, I think if people looked at more in this context, because it has- it just, I feel like it has, it addresses the core issue of all the political and, and all, yeah. all that kind of stuff that's going on now. And it really yeah. helps sort of understand, or it helps me understand anyway, uh, what, it, what the bigger picture is. Again, what the, what the greater plan is here and what the, the proper position to take on certain issues. Even the, you know, the prodigal son story being a greater analogy to the whole context of what's going on in the Bible and what, what the whole cosmic plan is, if you will, of God. It, it, to me, it's 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 locked in all of the large pieces contextually that I that I really think it'll help people, you know, just deal with all the the stuff in their face, you know, just yeah, all it's the crazy. all the societal the societal problems, the geopolitical problems. These are ultimately spiritual issues because if you take Psalm eighty two seriously, mm -hmm. what God is angry about are the 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 sons of God that He appointed over the nations who have now become adversarial. You know, we're not told when, we're just told that they, that just goes down the tubes. You know, they sow chaos in the nations. They enslave their populations. They want destruction and chaos and misery. They want what we see on the news every day. Yeah. Okay, that's what they want. And, and God is angry, you know, with them. And so he, he linked, I mean, look at all these ideas that are linked. You know, the psalm ends with the psalmist pleading, you know, Lord, you know, God, rise up and take back the nations. Again, we, you know, on our podcast, Naked Bible Podcast, we spent a whole, we've actually spent two episodes on on how the rise up language in the Septuagint, you know, is, it, it's it's the verb for resurrection, honest me. Mm. Okay, that's, again, it, these things aren't coincidental, you know, and, and that's not the only passage like that where, you know, we have this rise up language, you know, and, 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 you know, the Lord, you know, taking back the nations or being the, the Messiah to the nations or being Lord of the nations or the God of, the, of all the nations. These, these are not, you know, coincidences that we would link, you know, Jesus to the, you know, you know, to the solution of Psalm 82. I mean, first, you know, at the, in the first phase of the kingdom, their authority is nullified. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I, I was on a, a pagan podcast a couple years ago. You know, and this this guy had read my little book Supernatural and loved it. He said, "I worship the gods of Greece and Rome," and I read Supernatural, and it's like you're the you're a person I can have a conversation with, you know, because of you know I, of the way I worship these gods. And so I went on this guy's show, 
And for the first, like, the audio is terrible. It, it's called the, the Voice of Olympus. The, the host, he goes by the name Hercules. Okay, so, so there's Mike on the Voice of Olympus. The audio is terrible, but it's really Chill. worth listening to. Yeah, there you go. Gandalf and <laughs> because, Hercules having a conversation. <laughs> yeah. The first 10 minutes is this guy going through, like, Greco-Roman mythology, articulating the Deuteronomy 32 worldview about how the, the, you know, the gods appointed, you know, the nations to the, these, these lesser gods and this God gets this bunch. And, you know, this is why we worship this God, and not another, because the gods allotted this, you know, all this language, <laughs> you know? And, and, and so he, he goes through all of that. And I mean, I can see now why he loved the book because he says, he says, this was amazing. You know, the, the Bible actually has this same worldview. And he goes, I have one question. If, if the God of Israel, the most high, set this whole thing up in Deuteronomy 32, 8, what does he want? It's like, oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> it's like, what he, what he wants is he wants you now, because of Jesus, to recognize that the authority he, he gave them and that they corrupted and they became evil and wicked and enslaved their populations and turned their hearts to idolatry, to the worship of themselves, rather than being placeholders for the Most High to bring back the nations, because Babel was a punishment. Yeah. It wasn't going to last forever. God makes a covenant with Abraham to bring back the nations. But mm -hmm. since, since you didn't do any of that, you know, you're, you're under judgment. And so God withdraws their authority. That's why Paul connects the resurrection and the ascension to the right hand of God uh, six or seven times with the defeat, you know, the, 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 the nullification, the delegitimization of the principalities, powers, rulers, and authorities. Yeah. Paul isn't just looking for random things to connect because he wants to get an A on his paper. I have to vary my vocabulary here. I gotta, <laughs> you know, I don't know what else to say. You know, no, he he he's intentional. The biblical writers are always intentional, okay, in what they do. And he's saying, look, their authority is null. So Paul could go into a city and say, look, look, fellas, I I know we all share the same worldview, and you're worshiping these gods because you believe you have to. And if you're acquainted with Judaism, you think that that, that I, well, uh -oh. I became a man and died on a cross and rose from the dead and now is giving you not only the authority to turn from your gods and come back home, but he insists on it. I mean, it it's, a, it's, a, it's a clear, you know, kind of punch in the gut, you know, message that, that, that Paul has. But it all extends from this worldview. And, and if we started, you know, Gons, I mean, to your point, if we started thinking about the situation in our world, that the actual remedy is not, oh, let's vote this guy into office, or let's form this committee, or let's have our church, you know, throw money at this, or our government throw money at that. The solution is actually one by one, you know, robbing the principalities and powers and the rulers and authorities of their citizens bringing them back into the family, and then they can be salt and light in all the places where they're at and repeat the process. Yeah. Okay, that is what actually would be the solution. Yeah. More, more hearts turned you know, to the true God and getting a, a sense of their own identity and the identity of the people they used to hate. They share the same identity and they share the same mission, and God wants them in the same family. Okay, that is what matters. And, and so if, you know, back to the, our first question, you know, really to, to kick off this episode is, you know, why does any of this angelology stuff matter? Well, that's why. It, it helps you frame who you are and what you're supposed to do. And, and family concepts are important. 
you know, mission concepts are important. Uh, you know, how, the, how that, the unseen world connects with this world, all that's important. And, and, and God has a, a he, he's working a plan. Yeah. <laughs> he's working a plan. And the plan is to get back to the original intention. He will get his way. Yeah. yeah he will get his way in the end. It, it's incredible how you're, you're, the believer's identity, that's such an important point, you know, because if you think about, you know, if you're, if you, we know people, I mean, I grew up as, you know, not necessarily a full on atheist per se, but just someone who didn't believe, didn't understand, didn't know any of this stuff. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting because there's an element of you're missing out on a whole part, not just if you think about angels, you think about the spiritual family, the aspect of that element. And not that, you know, we're, we're you know, just kind of imagining talking to angels or something like that, but just knowing that there is more than what we see, uh, the whole uh, Elijah, you know, type of event where you see the, the chariots of fire and things like that, the whole, everything kind of locks in, you know, and I, I feel like the skeptic might even say, well, you know, we, we can all become one, we can have the same perspective, but we don't need God to do that. We can all become one human family. And I feel like that concept goes, right. takes us right can, back to the, the Babel event, you know? Right. We can try to fix Babel ourselves. Right, right. So, so it's interesting <laughs> that is, we live in that Which is what time. led to the problem to begin with. All, all pursuits, all human pursuits of utopia, in other words, the original family that God wants, where we're all one, mm -hmm. we're all one in the same family, you know, we're, we're stewards of the earth, all, you know, we, 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 we have political talk just like this yeah. you know, every day. It resonates. But all human pursuits of that goal are going to fail because humans, you know, human nature is, you know, you're going to have dissent and dissent has to be crushed. Mm -hmm. Okay. For this to work, you know, you can't get in the way of my plan and, and the plan would work if we were in charge. And then the next group says, well, this would have worked if we were, if we had had, you know, had all the, the, the marbles here, if we, mm -hmm. you know, if we had the authority and, and this, it just goes on and on and on and on. We're trying to fix the Babel problem ourselves, but the fact that we have this impulse should say something. Exactly. That there's yeah. something inside of us that knows things are not the way they're supposed to be. Yeah. And, and, and rather than, again, turn to you know, you know, God's solution, we try, to, we try to fill these holes ourselves. I mean, again, all these things are connected. You know, holy ones. It's just a few things up from, from the book. I mean, you know, holy ones, who are the holy ones? Well, in the Old Testament, that's the heavenly host, like, you know, 99 times out of 100, you know, just, that, that's just the way we talk about the heavenly host. Well, isn't it odd that holy ones in the New Testament, hagioi in Greek, is never used of the supernatural realm. Hmm. It's used of human believers. Well, that, maybe that means something. <laughs> is that a pattern that I should pay attention to? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, again, this stuff is intentional. You know, in the Old Testament, angels had had ministries. They're, they're not just messengers, you know, but me again, members of the heavenly host. The messengers of job description. Other members of the heavenly host, you know, Job, Job is suffering and his friend, you know, doing a terrible job of comforting him says, hey, to which of the holy ones are you going to appeal your cause? It's Job chapter 5. Well, you know, the holy ones had this mediation kind of role where they represented you before God. This is actually what's behind the quote-unquote guardian angel idea. You know, the, the guardian, I'm not sure how we got that, that term, because if you go back to Matthew 18.10, you know, don't, 
you know, don't offend one of these little ones because the face of their angels always sees my, you know, you know their, their angels always sees the face of my father in heaven. Mm. That's, that's the typical guardian angel, you know, passage. It doesn't use the word guard or guardianship, and it certainly doesn't mean that, that we have angels assigned to us so that nothing bad ever happens to us. Because mm. we, we all suffer, okay? So it, it means something else, you know, and part of the something else in the Old Testament is connected to you know this this idea of of pleading your case before God, being sort of a representative, an advocate. You know, you get this language in the Old Testament that I go through in the book. Well, isn't it interesting that after the resurrection, remember Matthew eighteen ten is before the resurrection. After the resurrection, you don't see that language used of angels anymore. In fact, you see mediator and advocate used of Jesus. Because Jesus is the one now who is our advocate. It is because of him we can go boldly to the throne of grace ourselves. Hebrews chapter four. Mm. Are these you know, does the vocabulary mean anything? You know, might might we get something out of that? Yeah. Again, that this is what I'm trying to do, you know, to trying to show how these ideas map over. So you know, again, Angels is yes, it's a book, you know, and it's it's got an academic flavor, you know, to it. It's a book that Will help you speak biblically, you know, perish the thought, biblically about angels. But but it actually does more because what I want people to see is again how some of this language, you know, has an impact on how we think about ourselves. And you know, unseen realm is filled with that. Again, this is more of a focused look on just one aspect of it. But it it's important stuff. And I you know, true confessions here, I never I went to Bible college, I went to seminary, you know, and I had a church that took scripture seriously. I only recall one classroom hour in my whole, you know, academic career about angels. One. Wow. It's it's a subject I never thought I would I would care about. I mean, I my watershed moment was as I describe in Unseen Realm, the Psalm 80, being confronted with Psalm 82. Right. And and ever since that point, it's like I, I see how it, this is just laced through Scripture everywhere. It has implications for every doctrine, you know, which sounds kind of crazy, but it but it actually does. Yeah, that's the thing that's been insane for me. Every time I read the New Testament now, I always wonder, you know, what's the what's the connection there to some of the stuff Heiser's been pointing out, you know, <laughs> and it's always really fascinating, and you always find these connections that. Uh, yeah, I, again, it would just it puts everything into proper context. Maybe if the Bible assumes <laughs> that that our world is connected with that world, maybe we should think that way too. Yeah, and then just the thought eschatologically, I I always and I know you, I'm not talking about prophecy per se. I'm talking more uh, the believer's eschatology as it pertains to this age. Yep. Um, the idea of resurrection and and Jesus being kind of a is he kind of a prototype in that sense that he demonstrated the uh, the 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 thing that we will all eventually have? Yeah, I mean, in in the book, you know, I realize if, on my end, I got to be wrapping up here soon, but the uh, just look at that—the idea that when we die, we become angels. Now I understand. Uh, yeah. I understand why people think that because, well, when we die, we go to heaven and we're glorified and the angels are there and they're glorified like they, they're, they're glowing, you know, like, okay, so, so we must become angels. No, 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 no. No, 1 John 3 is very clear. We will be like Jesus. 
we outrank angels. We, we are better. <laughs> we become something better. Okay. Sweet. You know, but, but again, I, I know how, how the idea works and it, it gets, an, it's another one of these understandable myths. It, it's not sinister or destructive or harmful, but if we actually, again, read the text closely and thought about some of the language, look at the outcome. <laughs> we, we're, they, they would envy us. Okay. <laughs> it's just, I mean, we're the ones that are going to be, you know, ruling them, judging them, you know, displacing sons of God, which are very, that's, again, that's a, that's a rank and status term. You know, the sons of God in God's heavenly host, they outrank the messenger boys. They, that, that's a higher task. Yeah. And, and they, have, they have gone astray, the ones that, that God put over the nations. And we will take their jobs. Okay, we're going to have that job. This is why Revelation 2, Jesus quotes a messianic psalm about ruling the nations with a rod of iron and applies it to us. Mm. Okay, to the one that overcomes, I will, you know, he will rule the nations with me, you know, with a rod of iron. Revelation 3, I will grant him, the one that overcomes, to sit with me on my throne. That's why Paul says, don't you know that you're going to judge angels? In 1 Corinthians 6.3, again, this is not throwaway stuff. Paul's not looking for a line that can become a meme, right? <laughs> he's actually serious. Oh, you know, he, he, he has a, a point to communicate. Quit fighting among yourselves. Don't you know? And, and of course, the answer is, well, I guess a lot of them didn't know. Or you wouldn't, have, <laughs> wouldn't have had to tell them, you know? But that even, you know, even this idea of, of, of what we will become and what we will what our roles will be in the kingdom that comes to earth the consummation you know back to your eschatology point even that is affected mm -hmm. by how we think about this this other stuff this angelology stuff yeah it really does for everything and i know you're you're pretty much out of time there's so many things in the book angels that i think uh you know people are curious about but you know maybe have nowhere to turn i remember when i was curious about angels I looked around for books. I, I found a couple books that were, you know, they were all right. They're more kind of, uh, you know, their personal kind of experiences with angelic beings and things of that nature. I wasn't too thrilled about that, but amen. Here's the best recommendation I, I can give people about this book, because you brought up, you know, most books are about, you know, no, experiences or, you know, getting to command angels or you know, all this weird new age, you know, whatever you want to, whatever label you want to stick on it. Okay, I got a one star Wind review on Amazon because the guy nothing. complained there was too much biblical material in it. <laughs> okay, that. Well is your recommendation right there. Well, I was going to say, you know, we're still uncovering and exposing Michael Heiser's connection to uh, the Illuminati and and all the powers therein. On page 33 of the book, about two-thirds of the page is footnotes. So, <laughs> so you actually get to go in and ask the questions and go do the research yourself. Um, Oh, that's he's sending a message. It's a it's he's signaling to his Illuminati brethren. Right. Because we know that we know that footnotes originated with them. It's yeah. A clear message. <laughs> the secret <laughs> hidden meetings, meanings in the footnotes. 
footnote um, in Latin means Illuminati, something like that. You know? <laughs> follow the money, people. Follow right. the money. <laughs> Well, okay, Mike. So we're going to wrap up here for you. We know you got stuff to do Amen. and we appreciate your time. I know you've, uh, you've been doing a lot of things like this lately and you've, it's, it's always a new, exciting adventure, putting out another one of these books and not just for you, but for the rest of us as well. Um, what would be the takeaway that you want to leave people with? Uh, <laughs> just let the heart flow here before we, we sign you off. Yeah, I, I, I would say, again, two things, you know, identity and mission. If, if you don't have one, you're not going to have the other. <laughs> and if, if that, that means if you don't have this fixed in your mind, you know, you're, you're going to wonder what this Christianity stuff is really all about, even if you profess to believe it. Mm. You know, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to be lost in, in, in what should be the Christian community. You're going to feel displaced. Uh, and, and no Christian should feel like a refugee. You know, no no member of the kingdom of God should feel like a refugee. You know, and, and just uncertain of who they are and what they're supposed to do. So, mm. I think that that is essential uh, to you know what, what's important. And I, I should mention, you know, angels aside, I act, I actually produced I self published a, a real little book just for the new believer or or the seeker. That that goes through a lot of this stuff. Very, it's it's like a hundred pages or less. I can't remember on Amazon. It's called "What Does God Want?" Mm. It's real simple. I present the the, the gospel, the, the salvation narrative as a as story, and then I have a chapter on what is the gospel, what isn't the gospel, what is discipleship. Okay, and all this you know tied to the things we've been talking to. So, you know that I, I wrote that because I. I run into this all the time, Christians having no sense of their identity and their mission. So that that's just job number one. It's task number one to to get that for yourself under your belt and, and be secure in it and then help other people to discover the same thing. And also angels aren't bird people. Very important. Correct. That's correct. Yes. Or message of right. what you're trying to bring. Okay. <laughs> That's a core doctrine, right? There. A core doctrine. Angels aren't <laughs> it Got chopped people. out of the creeds by the Illuminati because they want us to believe it. <sighs> okay, Gons, anything to leave us with, or are we good to land this plane? Okay, and there you have it, folks. Uh, <laughs> Mike, thank you so much, man. I appreciate your time. And uh, good luck with the rest of what you're doing. And everybody, make sure to go check out the Naked Bible podcast. Any Anywhere else you want to lead people? Uh, my homepage is drmsh.com. Uh, so that or Amazon. Again, a the Angel's Book, Unseen Realm is is a, a really, is quite a bestseller. The response to that has been kind of it's been gratifying, but you know, I'll confess a little overwhelming. Um, Supernatural's the light version of that. All the stuff you can get on Amazon. What does God want? Uh, I recently blogged on on uh, helping people make sense of of what Mike writes and publish publishes. I actually have a plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Take people from the seeker to the new believer, all the way up to again somebody who's really ready to engage Scripture. Again, that's what I want. I want people to engage the text and get a sense of what God's trying to do and who they are. 
There we go. All right, Mike. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey. Thanks, Mike. I want to try something. Can I get you to say think outside the cage? Sure. That, that's it. all you need? Yeah. Just that phrase? Okay. Yeah. Think, think outside, outside the, the cage. cage. What did I tell you, Gons? The best episode we could have possibly chosen to go out on 2018. I am so happy that not only are we ending 2018 with this episode, but we're also beginning 2019 with this episode. And uh, Michael Heiser could not have been uh, uh, there; could not have been a better guest than Michael Heiser for this for this transformative moment. Yeah, 2019 sounds so futury. I know we are in the future right now. Spe- Actually, you're speaking right. to you from the past, we are in the future. <laughs> your future, your moment. Don't think about it too hard. Your but, now um, is our past, but it will be our future. Okay. That's right. Thank you, Michael Heiser, for coming on the show once again. We know we are your very best friends. And uh, we're <laughs> keep just... insisting that. I think it's funny. He doesn't acknowledge back. If I just say it enough, it'll just I'm predictive gonna, programming. Uh, yes, I'm, brain, I'm brainwashing Dr. Michael Heiser into being my best friend. Um, or at least everybody else will think that. And then there'll be, you know, everybody else will assume and then he'll just have to go with it. He'll have to or else he'll look like a bad friend. <laughs> OK, well, we hope you guys enjoyed that. Man, um, what a great book i mean what a great collection of topics that he's written on what a what a totally misunderstood uh, topic in the christian church and something we kind of take for granted yeah well it, there's not enough biblical like rigorous biblical work done on it like heiser you know presents and, and there are some but it's kind of scattered and uh a lot more like we discussed personal sort of experiences but you know it's a good way to ground it into the scriptures and then you know, I'm not discounting those personal experiences, but, you know, maybe a better measuring tool to assess whether these things may be uh, from a true angelic experience or, you know, maybe an angel of light that uh, is Ooh. not originated from the angel of light. So, Oh, gosh, Gonzo. Okay. Well, there you go, <laughs> folks. Thanks so much. We want to remind you that you can head over to facebook.com slash canary cry community hookup fellowship chat it out share funny memes and fun conspiracy theories and all sorts of stuff meet other canarians we have canarians who are meeting each other they live in the same state as other canarians they're making friends forging lifelong friendships and i'm just happy that it's happening it's happening all over at facebook.com slash canary cry community it is a closed group so it's also a great place to talk about all the crazy stuff you don't want your mom to see (laughs) or maybe you do in which case just invite her maybe you don't want your employer to see there we go yeah there you go that's more yeah what cult are you in uh well (laughs) um so there you go, facebook.com slash canary cry community. Also, real quick plug, you got that son or daughter who plays video games. Maybe they're of an appropriate age in their teens. Maybe they're 35 and they're still playing video games and you don't know what's going on. You can head over to twitch.com slash canary cry radio. Follow Gons and I on Twitch and uh, we are going to be streaming 
playing video games, exposing the symbolism and the messaging and the predictive programming and all this stuff happening in the games. Whether you're a fan of video games or not, you got to go follow us on Twitch. It's like uh, it's going to be like listening to another podcast of ours, except for we are exposing things right in front of you. And when I say exposing things, I mean <laughs> the darkness <laughs> and the occult showing up in video games. And not just that. I mean, we'll also show, uh, you know, the new yeah, we'll world, new world order symbolism and maybe some uh, some Christianity hidden in games, which I have found. I'm very excited to show you guns. Oh yeah, no. Because I was gonna say because th there's obviously be the the greatest story ever told. We're living, right? We're living in that reality. So yeah, to speak. I don't know. So, Red Dead Red Dead Redemption Two is hailed as a masterpiece, but yeah, I, I suppose life is the technically the greatest story ever told. Oh, you're selling out to the virtual <laughs> simulation, man. Come on. This episode brought to you by. <laughs> Anyway. Arthur Morgan and Dutch Vanderlyn. There's some Red Dead Redemption 2 fans who are so pumped right now that I'm dropping these names. Um, but more of that on twitch.tv, twitch.com slash canarycryradio. Okay, now, as we've mentioned before at the top of the show, guys, we are entirely listener-supported. If you were educated, edified, entertained, or just plain uh, happy that we made this episode with Michael Heiser. You can help us continue to do this work. And I understand it's the end of the year. Times are tough. But if you even have a dollar or two to spare, head over to patreon.com slash canarycryradio. Every dollar counts to help keep this program running. And uh, there's some very cool rewards over there. We do bonus episodes. There's swag. There's downloadable materials. Um, so please head over to patreon.com slash canarycryradio. Now, there's been a lot of people who have uh, stopped supporting us on Patreon as a, uh, as a uh, uh, I don't know, a, a stance against Patreon's uh practices of deplatforming certain individuals we totally understand your right to do that we are not necessarily happy about the loss of your support so if that's one of you guys head over to canarycryradio.com support and you can still support us on paypal and we'll be so happy about that now here's another thing this one's important hopefully y'all haven't tuned out yet but here's the deal we are also going to be looking for a support platform that is more agreeable to people other than Patreon. We've gotten a few suggestions, but we're not quite sure which one to go with. If you are one of those who has stopped supporting us because of Patreon or is resisting supporting us because of Patreon, please send us a note. Send us an, an email. Send us a message on Facebook, Basil Rosewater, um, or canarycryradio at gmail.com. Let us know a platform that you would like to support us on. We will get hooked up on that platform we're trying to find the best one that we can go to that people will enjoy supporting us as well as that platform. We understand and we we applaud your right and your uh, your protest against um, corporations that you do not agree with. That is what we're all about here. We do not sell advertising, however, because we don't believe in selling your attention for our own monetary gain. So. 
In that case, let us know where you would like to support us and we will make some accounts. Yes. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you, I missed part of your little rant there because I had to do some baby stuff. And you'd be amazed how much attention a 20 month old human being requires. I would. It's probably more than a cat, huh? A little bit more, probably, yeah. So I've heard. Gons has a baby to feed, guys. We need <laughs> to find another funding platform. As much time as, you know, we're always trying to find time to record things, even yeah. when we actually record, things still happen. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's true. It's difficult. I mean, I don't think we've recorded an episode either not early in the morning or not I mean, definitely not before 1030 at night. No, yeah, um, we definitely start after the everything is over. <laughs> yeah. Babies are asleep. Cats are, are in there, all tucked in in their little sleeping bags. And uh, your cat has a sleeping bag. What? That's not weird. Uh, I mean, wait, that's weird. <laughs> well, the, no, that that is weird. Yeah, that's yeah. a little weird. I mean, I, I guess if you love your cat, but it's... you don't have your cat in a little sleeping bag with a little nightcap on. With a, little, with a little white noise machine so he can sleep better. Your cat must either love you or think you're just insane. I don't know what you're talking about. Cat people out there know what I'm talking about. Um, so there you go, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Here's the thing. If you have not yet jumped on board and subscribed to Canary Cry News Talk, I don't know what you're doing. I have no reference <laughs> for your decisions in You're life. Losing the, the, the ad for CCNT that we spit is is losing its sort of like, hey, go I'm, check it out. It's becoming accusatory. Like, what is wrong with you? I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, there's a, bu- a bunch of people listen to it every week for sure, but it's not equal to Canary Cry Radio. And that's, I don't understand why everybody <laughs> who's under the thrall of my voice right now doesn't subscribe. I'm, I just don't get it. And that's fine. You know, what i don't have to understand everything in the world no you but don't. if you want more basil and guns and if you want us talking about uh the guy who uh if you want to listen to us talk about the guy who put the quran and the bible into dna sequencing and injected it into <laughs> his leg i if you don't want to hear us talk about that i don't know what to do for you people <laughs> i just start getting real mad What do you want from me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's late. It's late at night. Well, okay. That's it. Anything else, Gons? No. Okay. I I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners. You guys rock. Okay. There you go. You heard it straight from the Gonz's mouth. And again, thank you to Michael Heiser for coming on the show. Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio, everybody. Make sure to tune in next time. But until then... Think outside the cage.